star of the two Bond films that most closely resembled their literary counterparts, the Sir Slimothy Dalton. This is the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 120. Welcome to the show. Uh, Papercake.com. We talk about industry, news, the books we're reading, you know, that week. Random books. Could be any book. And then we'll do a book club. Dark Horse Comics Cameron Stewart Sintitulo Thanks for listening to the podcast. You know, just three friends, amazing sound quality, no Skype on this show. No Apple earbuds, first of all. Um, right. So let's introduce the hosts. You know, the one with the gray hair, the one with the most gray hair. He's a father. He's our VP of merch. He, let's face facts, he has an alcohol addiction to scotch and Skyrim. Dale underscore right. Thanks for being here. I just want to, you know, I just, because I think about the show, and I want to perform, you know, and that puts a lot of pressure on me. Okay? So, when it when it comes to go time, maybe I just need a little bit to, uh, you know, even me out. But don't you a worry. A little bit of the... To get right, to if get, you will. To get right. A little bit of the podcast sauce. Yeah. As it's been called. Yeah. My, uh, uh my, uh... Pop filter smells like a, a bartender's uh, rag, <laughs> and my microphone smells like a beer. Billy Joel for you. <laughs> oh God! Do I even want to introduce you after that? Start Let's just move early. on. By the numbers, Slim. You are a writer. You're an unpublished writer. Never been published by anyone on this planet. You're working or hard. Or any other planet, for that matter. You have a drinking problem as well, but with a, a drink of a different sort, a Diet Cola. Mm. Uh, you have a kid. Everyone knows that now, so you're a father. Uh, well, Jonesy loves beer. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you again for having me. Although I am a low-quality host, I consider this a very high-quality program. So thank you for having me. Uh, anytime, really, until I see fit otherwise. He looks like he's been uh, guest drawn by like a Fraser Irving this week. <laughs> he is just dark and bright all at once over there. God, what is the realm that magic sometimes teleports into? Is that where Jonesy's broadcasting from? <laughs> yeah, <Tiernanog>. limbo. <laughs> limbo. Podcast limbo. Oh uh, God, what a show! Cameron Stewart. Uh, from Berlin, cartoonist to the stars, Batman and Robin. You ever heard of that book? Batman and who now? Yes. Yeah, I actually love his run on B and R, babe. <laughs> oh God! Uh, Got what you else? early. He also did some BPRD, I think, 
and some Assassin's Creed licensed work. Dale, you you buy those? Did you have those framed? Um, actually, I've never read the uh, licensed work from the Assassin's really? Creed. Yeah, I um, thought they'd be right up your alley. I just never gave it a chance, I'm, and I'm so far behind in the game franchise that I don't want to jump in now. I just feel like it might spoil something for me. Okay. Yeah. What's happening in the world of news, Dale Underscore? You're our newsman. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Who is Jake Ellis? Right. That's what I want. Well, we're about to find out. Thanks to the uh, folks over at Fox Studios picking it up to be uh, a movie. Wow. It has been picked up, and uh, David Yates of the last four Harry Potter films fame is set to direct. They are looking for writers now, and I, I, this is pretty pretty great news for who is Jake Ellis fans. It's a phenomenal five-issue series. We did the uh, book club on it way back when, I believe. Old school. Definitely. And uh, I think if they can do this right, who is Jake Ellis could be a a great series, yeah? Could be like the next Supernatural Born movies, if you think about it. It's really into that quasi-spy genre, quasi-action, quasi-supernatural sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So, it, I don't well, know, it, it could be you know a real home run. What's happening with Where is Jake Ellis? Did that ever finish, or is that on hiatus? Yeah, I think that... I want to say that's complete. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that I think finished. so. So that's this, or is it who? What's the, what's the second miniseries? Who is the first one, and then where is the second? Yeah. Oh, really? I must have. Who is Jake Ellis, and where is Jake Ellis? Because the Marvel is teasing, I think both creators on a new Marvel book. What? So I wondered if that was related to the hiatus. But I guess if it's finished, what the hell do I know? This, um, we can confirm that news one week from po- this episode posting because New York Comic Con will have been. And uh, all kinds of those Marvel teasers will be revealed. Actually, that's incorrect because I think we're recording before New York Comic Con, so we'll just have to guess. We'll have to have a segment where right. we just assume the news and read about it and talk about it and get Jonesy's I, opinion. We should do full Jonesy predictions. <laughs> that's what we should do. We are. If we really want to do it right. Oh, jeez. I should read the teasers and make my predictions. <laughs> Rest in and peace. And blow up uh, Catcher's Wiki. Rest in peace, iTunes subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> what's left of them after that episode? <laughs> Anything else happening? Any what's what's rocking the world right now, Dale? Well, I, you know, believe it or not, Shield rocking the world. Marvel Agents oh, wow. of Shield is putting up big numbers. I'm talking tens of millions of views. Has now been seen uh, by over 22 million people. And that and that article, uh, when I researched it, was two days ago. Wow! So that did, is that's pretty good. Did you watch the second episode yet? Uh, I, yeah, I did. I did. It's it's okay. Oh. I think it's good. That doesn't. Sound I have good. as well. I thought one and two maybe were meant to be a movie at first mm-hmm. because just of that um, that coda on the end of the second episode. I feel like one and two should have been like a two hour premiere movie. Like on a Sunday night, the setup of the series, but I don't think that detracted from it. It's a, you know, it's like anything. It's got to get its, you know, yeah. its feet wet. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, Jonesy, what is Shield? I'd say a solid seven. Down. Maybe tank, you know, taper into seven and a half, eight. Like as soon as it hits its groove, I would say that uh, 
though much of it was filmed on the same set as Thunder in Paradise. The <laughs> Which makes it awesome. Exactly. I'm going to go seven. Once it, what Jones is saying, once it gets its groove, seven. Six and a half. Mm. Six. Mm. Okay. Seven. A lot of numbers being thrown you? around. Slim, your rating? I actually haven't even finished episode two, mm. so I can't really give a conclusive rating. I actually have zero desire to finish episode two. I don't just... Episodic television like that is not what I'm into anymore. You know? You're a binge watcher? You like binge watching? I do watching? binge. I mean, everybody knows that I've been watching every season of Hell's Kitchen probably for the past month and a half. Five years, feels like. We went back to season one. My wife is still with me wow. on this, mentally. We all, we all remember the great Babylon 5 viewing of 2012, I think. And also uh, Battlestar Galactica as well. Because that's actually the show that I watched. Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> so Jonesy, troll, Jonesy troll, quite troll, remember. troll. That actually, that, troll, troll, that troll, show troll. was the reason why I stopped tweeting about what TV shows I was watching. I now do it totally in really? secret, and I don't mention it at all. Because when I mentioned that I was watching Battlestar Galactica, or where I was going to start, everyone gave their opinion on the finale, which I was like three seasons away from. Right. I had I, I watched Oof. one episode of that show, and everyone and their mother wanted to tell me how bad the season finale was. Get out of here. Losers. <laughs> Stink. So the only way you can uh, decipher what Slim is watching is depending on if he tweets a screenshot of Mr. Perfect, or Ric Flair, <laughs> or the Flying Samoans. <laughs> And that somehow coincides with a, a, a television series, but you may never know. It changes, changes day I to tweeted, day. It does. I tweeted one of my all-time favorite pictures of Vince McMahon this evening from Royal Rumble 1999. Little-known fact: that Rumble was where Vince McMahon won the Royal Rumble against Steve Austin, the final two. Wow! Check it out. Wow! Spoilers. That's, uh, that's enough. I think that's people probably turn this off and go watch that now. So that's enough for the news <laughs> segment. Yeah, we'll save this kind of that. talk for the fireside. Dale and I have to plan this big wrestling outing that we're going to, but we need to get into the comic talk right now. Sepia loves beer. <laughs> what did you read this week, please? Oh, man, what did not I read uh, this Daredevil? week? Daredevil? Uh, I want to talk about hit number two. Hmm. You guys have been following this pretty closely? I've read, I read the first issue. So Slater and Stick, Sticky, are getting themselves into another sticky situation, if you will. Oh. You know, in the, in the previous issue, spoilers, um, you know, Bonnie, uh, basically, you know, Slater comes home and there's a dead cop spread around his apartment and Bonnie's like, oh, I didn't do it. So we're here kind of picking up those pieces. Uh, this cop is dead and, and while the last issue was happening, a bunch of other cops that it seems like has have all been together in a previous um, gangster hit squad are turning up dead. So Slater kind of uh, and Stick kind of go around beating up L.A. trying to find out exactly who's behind it. And then um, Slater comes back to a hotel where he, uh, he and Bonnie are staying up together. And um, there's a guy tied up in the closet that tried to attack Bonnie. And uh, he's just a kind of about to give away who's who, and then Slater plugs him right in the head, and that's how the issue ends. Oh, my. It's, uh, it's, you know, this is two of four, so the action and the information are flowing pretty hot and heavy in this issue. Um, so we have, you know, we have the whole... Excuse me. <coughs> I tried I mean, not to cough, and it ended up being a snort, so... Right into the mic, it was amazing. <laughs> 
So it's it's like these four issues kind of remind me of Omaha and Falls or LA Confidential. It's just a breakneck pace and you don't ever finish at a status quo, which I love when minis are able to do that. Well, there is no status quo set in the book, so you have no idea where these characters will end by the time you get to the last page, and I love it, and I'm kind of hooked on it. This is a great mini that's come out. Yeah, it's such a uh, breakneck pace that Slater has uh, trouble brewing at home. He, he uh, cop wound up dead at his doorstep because Bonnie shot him, or he shot him. Um, but it's it's such a breakneck pace that he is trying to, you know, get justice for his fellow fallen officers, and yet... He's a, you know he's a sleaze ball and he's trying to cover his own tracks all at the same time. It feels like I'm trying to think of a, the movie where that kind of pacing is kept up and he's just it's just like constant like covering of lies at a, at just a breakneck pace. But it's a great vibe and the art style like matches the book so well and it's uh it's it's very good. I'm I'm very happy with uh, what I've read so far. I also like how they don't portray any of the protagonists as good guys even at all uh there's like a bunch of lines that kind of get trickled in here to kind of reveal you know because these guys are kind of undercover like what kind of stuff they've been going on like the chief collins or the captain whatever they refer to him as collins is like and don't forget that i know that you know 200 pounds of marijuana it hasn't been turned into evidence yet and he's like goes to slater he's like don't quite forget what it means to be a cop i expect to see that like so you kind of see that they're kind of giving into the lifestyle they they should be wiping out Mm -hmm. so it's kind of see them kind of take this dark path it kind of like i have no idea what's going to be the ending of this series and i kind of love that like it's not predictable you just know that bonnie is evolved at some deep s you know all over the country you know slater's dirty sticky's dirty you know collins is something going on but you don't know what it is I think it's going to be one of those series where, like, maybe even to the last five pages, mm-hmm. you're not exactly sure how this is going to shake out. And I like how Slater, like, Bonnie is effed up. She's nothing but trouble, and Slater is, like, hyper-attracted to it. Yeah. Like, he's he has no qualms about her showing up at his doorstep and them just drinking hard alcohol and smoking and Reading doing Reading cross it. together. <laughs> Reading cross Reading together. Cross. Because you can get no more deprived and or primal when you're together as one. Um, When you're just sitting at home drinking scotch with a lady, the next thing logically is to open up Cross Volume 1 and just get nutty. uh, Bring me my iPad. uh, Uh, Let's move on to some experimentation from our dear friends at Marvel Comics. I actually uh, had a tough time deciding which book I want to talk about. The Marvel Knight Spider-Man, which is mind-blowingly interesting. Or uh, Avengers Endless Wartime mm. from Warren Ellis. So this is like their uh, OGN line that they're going to start up. So you can go into Barnes & Noble, if that place is still around, and get this nice hardcover Avengers book. You know, you saw the movie. You know, I'll check out this book that maybe this will be interesting. Maybe it's like another movie. Barnes and uh, Nobles. Barnes and Nobles, as John D. Loves Beer calls it. So Endless Wartime is not, it's like, it is for people that, that saw the movie, in my opinion. People that saw the movie and lo- are looking for comics 
They don't give a crap about a monthly book. They don't know what that is. And they just pick up this completed story. And it has the vibe of the movie characters in it. But they also throw in Captain Marvel and uh, Wolverine. And what's interesting, they keep everything kind of to the movie. So Wolverine isn't even really isn't in costume at all during the book. He wears very similar to what his X2 costume was. Just kind of like leather pants and a leather jacket. Wow. And he zips it up like it's just like that's his uniform, which is really strange. I actually would have been more at ease if he was just wearing jeans and, an, and like a white undershirt the whole book. Would have made more sense. But um, essentially something happened right before, like in 1944 with Captain America with a Nazi experimentation island that he thought he destroyed. And at the same time, something happened to that island that is related to what Thor, what, what happened to Thor in the past. So they're both linked to this island, and something comes back present day. So they both feel responsible. So they both so they uh, assemble the Avengers to go after it and stop this uh, this um, thing from their past. And so it's 120 pages, and it's a Warren Ellis book. And I mean, it was good. It wasn't like something that I would rave about, but if it was a single issue, like one of Warren Ellis's single issues, and condensed, it would have been great. I think but not at 120 pages. Like I could feel where characters broke into conversation. Like, like if this was a monthly book, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have read this scene or I wouldn't have read this scene or this would have never happened, oh. which was maybe probably I only knew it or, or thought that because I'm used to his monthly books. Whereas if someone just picks this up, picks this up, they mm-hmm. would have, they would never think that and re- really enjoy it. But um, So you think the same story could have been told in one monthly issue of 30 pages? or Yeah, it reminded hmm. me of his Secret Avengers run, okay. where he did like those one-off stories, and Jamie McKelvey did one story where they went like underground, and there was like this underground world, and it was like really zany. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of that. Like It could have been one of those stories, but it was drawn out, and it had like conversations between Wolverine and Cap and Captain Marvel that were like a few pages long. Um, but I mean, I enjoyed it and uh-huh. I really, this is what I wanted for, remember when I talked about like my ultimate universe plan, which was just OGNs once a month, like they'd have an FF OGN, ultimate X-Men OGN the next month. Like this is that plan. So I'm really excited they're doing it. Do you think they release this because they, because the, the movie rights are so spread out and it's likely that, you know, viewers will not see how these characters relate? that it's kind of a jump, like a new jumping on point for people who just know all the Marvel properties and are trying to see how they relate to one another. Yeah. Kind I of mean, like shoehorn them into like the comics. Yeah, because they'll never... I mean, that's probably why Wolverine was never in costume because he's never been in costume in the movies. And hmm. they, this is like their only way to see Wolverine and the Avengers in a movie setting together. Right. I was... Uh, hmm, that's, that's interesting. I... I got the same vibe. You know, I was on Amazon, and that's gotten like three stars or less across the board for Amazon reviews. And a um, friend of the show, Red Lantern, said much of the same thing, that it just wasn't, it didn't have the you know, the power and the punch that a 120-page Avenger story could have. Yeah. That's yeah, and I, I looked up at, in the app, too, and it was I was curious what the rating was, and it was three stars. Oh, wow. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, other people are probably thinking the same thing, but 
I, I maybe it's just not for the monthly reader. I don't think yeah. it's just one of those books that's not for. It's not made for us. It's made for yeah. the people that don't read comics, which I totally get and I understand, and I don't. I'm not upset about it. Right. Yeah. That. Um. Still, I still want to read it because Warren Ellis. But that's. I'm just like no. I don't. I don't want to hear Warren Ellis. Uh, Three star Warren Ellis. That's not even possible. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, if That's he, not even the Warren Ellis I know. If, yeah, like as a one issue, twenty two page story. I think it would have been the Warren Ellis that we know. Right. You know. Yeah. It just totally total weirdness condensed in twenty two pages. I think it would have been a hit. But you know, kind of sounds like maybe it was pitched by somebody else. Like even like a Bendy or uh, I would say even like a Jeff Loeb, like somebody who's more can write more like an ambassador. To people who have no clue about the comics, would have been a better fit for this book. And even Warren Ellis, like before this was announced, he he, I don't follow his stuff on Tumblr or Twitter anymore. But he was always vague about not wanting to do superhero books anymore. Or he had like written off that stuff, so it was weird to see him announced as like a <laughs> yeah. Marvel property. Probably like just a, needed to pay the mortgage. I don't know. You know? And now he's doing that uh, six issue arc with Kelly Kelly Sue DeConnick. Oh really? Yeah, he's like co. Oh, is that for Avengers Assemble? Yeah. Yeah, he's mm. co-writing that for six issues, which uh, Interesting. signed me up. Dale Underscray, please tell us what you read. I read little Dark Horse Property, number one issue, Grindhouse, Doors Open oh. at Midnight. And that is exactly what it says it is. It's a a comic made to uh, read like an old Grindhouse flick. And it, uh, as the tagline says, sleazeball tested, pervert approved. So it's got like a real loose kind of campy story to it. It's got some um, borderline sexual situations. It doesn't go full on. Mm-hmm. I'm right there uh, with you. It doesn't go full on with the <laughs> with the uh, nudity and stuff like that. But um, this basic, uh, this first arc is... Let me, it's, it's called the Bee Vixens from Mars. And basically mm. what we have is a bunch of, a hive of bees from Mars, apparently, set up shop near a graveyard and they just start producing this delicious honey. I love it already. And uh, <laughs> this is the best book I've ever heard. Cut to this next me. scene. It's hot. It's, uh, the sun's going down and... After the sun goes this uh these women are in a kitchen sharing this this raw honey that was just drained from the hive and they're like licking each other's fingers and making out and the the sheriff comes home and the sheriff is either husband or boyfriend to one of the women and he like smacks her on the behind and he's got to <laughs> go run out for beer cuz he's out of beer and you know why he's out he gets a call that uh, there's been a death over by the cemetery and turns out this um this car that's over by the cemetery is uh this there's this kid driving he's like a 17 19 year old kid and he's been like completely de- gutted and decapitated and his uh his pants were unzipped oh you know, yeah grindhouse total grindhouse you know let me just say that word 50 more times <laughs> grindhouse so something is afoot it leaves on a it leaves indicating that whoever is consuming this honey especially if you're a woman you're going to give in to your wily ways and become a mm. bee vixen and 
start uh, spreading the word of the honey. Oh, God. And uh, it's it. I really enjoyed the book. There was no. It's no. It's not a serious book. There's. It's not super gory where you know would make your stomach churn with abscessed whole crotches and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I really liked it. I really liked it. And that's Alex DeCampi wrote oh. this first ish. And uh, a fella named <laughs> Chris Peterson on art. Chris Peterson. Mm, yeah, the name sounds familiar. Um, but yeah, it was it was really good. If you're if you just want something, um, you know, very B movie with a, a crazy plot, this is the book for you. I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, TNA. Yeah. That- you know, need I say more? Jonesy's downloading it right now. He's bu- he's buying yeah. it and he's <laughs> having it first class shipped. And We're going to read it Rucka style uh, for the next episode. Uh, two sentences or less. Jonesy loves beer. Trillium. Issue three by Jeff Lemire. Uh, this story keeps getting wilder and wilder. And is it possible that the future can meet the past without destroying the world? I just can't get over this modern sci-fi masterpiece. Marvel Knights Spider-Man. Going all Marvel right now. Matt Kent and Marco Rudy craft the most psychedelic and strange Spider-Man issue I've read in at least a decade. By at all costs. Quantum and Woody, number four. Quantum and Woody have seemingly put aside their familial issues of the past, hopefully forming a superhero and brother bond moving forward. The four-issue story arc is hilarious and not to be missed. Sin Titulo by Cameron Stewart. uh, Distributed by, in print, Dark Horse Comics, or you can read it on his website. Jonesy, um, it wasn't you who suggested this, but let's just pretend it was anyway. (laughs) And you want us to tell... You want to tell us what this book is about right now. All right. First of all, listeners, do not Google Sin Tutulo. And then after you do that, do not click on the Google images. All right? Do not. All right. So let's let's dive back in here, guys. My computer. I still haven't got my computer back at work after I did that. <laughs> it's, it's in evidence. It's just in David's uh, top drawer, like your badge and your gun. You had to turn it in. He had 12 more days to retirement. Okay. I'm back on track. Sin Tutulo. Uh, Alex McKay is a fact checker for a a metropolitan newspaper and he had a kind of not their relationship with his grandfather. So he goes to see him as kind of a chore and finds out that his grandfather has in fact been dead for six months. So kind of stunned by this news and, you know, full of regret, he starts flipping through, uh, his grandfather's, um, items 
and he comes across a picture of his grandfather and a young blonde with sunglasses with just the letter D. I believe it says, like, visit from D or just saw D and then a date. <clears throat> so I, out of his feelings of regret, Alex begins to unravel the mystery of who this woman is. And as he delves deeper, he kind of finds out that, you know, things are not all that they seem at the nursing home. There's, like, an incredibly violent... Uh, orderly, who you get the strong suspicion is uh, tapping, you will, the uh, older ladies in the uh, in the institution. Is that still in tapping? Is that still? Uh, yeah, hip? I think you, I think it's your quotations that really saved you on that. <laughs> your air quotes, especially when it comes so, to uh, aring old people. On well, you know, sometimes people. you can't really. You know, what are you going to do? So. <laughs> um, this eventually leads him down a long and winding path to the painting, uh, Sin Tutuo. <laughs> and, um, in like a very existential spiritual way, you find out that the, the person who painted this, his son has kind of built a thought palace, like a memory palace Get in there, in, in like a different world. That's just the world of this painting. And it has the ability to draw certain people in. And the blonde was actually someone who had traveled there many years ago. And it's kind of draw other travelers to it, including Alex's grandfather, including the terrible orderly. So Sin Tutulo, the existential crisis of Alex McKay and how he learned to live in a painting and how it changed his life. Sin Tutulo. The end. This I um, so this started by Cameron Stewart as a web comic, and I think it took like six years from beginning to end. He took like a long hiatus, I guess, in the third during the final act or right before the final act. And um, I am a big fan of his cartooning or his work, like his style. He has like a broad like range of work, and uh, I guess he did like a Catwoman run on DC. And I looked at, and I thought for sure that it was Darwin Cook or like Dave Bullock that did the artwork, but it was mm-hmm. him. It was that kind of like um, cartooning style, and uh, he did some of the Batman and Robin stuff. So this was kind of like I guess his creator own baby that he did on the web. Um, I loved his style in this book. I loved the way he drew people's faces with just kind of like their eyes, you know, as dots, as kind of like mm-hmm. the simplistic style. But it, uh, but it can the, fade. It was able to convey, you know, emotion and facial expression, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah, I love the color palette that he used, the, like the very bare bones color palette. Um, I love the format, the kind of daily newspaper strip format that um, that She Died in Terrabond uh, uh, uses. Um, I kind of just only want to talk about the ending, but it, it's I don't want to do a disservice to the beginning of the book because I really enjoyed the journey. I, I really enjoyed the majority of this book. I really enjoyed it as a whole. Yeah, I uh, I think probably we have a lot of the same feelings. As wacky as the journey is, the first seven-eighths of the story, uh, I got like a vibe like that Michael Douglas movie, The Game. Mm. Yeah. Like something was really screwing with his life, and I took it for 
truth. I took it for, you know, it was really happening. And it was wild to see this guy being perceived as going completely nuts to everyone around him. He lost his girlfriend uh, because of it. He became a, you know, a threat to people that were close to him because he would, you know, he was showing up after experiencing like super acts of like violence when he would follow this, you know, orderly horror, you know, into this mysterious door. Um, violent things would happen in, behind that door and it was it was cr- it was crazy stuff like super creative super but it was like hardcore the game and I I mean I really liked like I, I liked it all and the ending is not my style of ending but I'm not t- completely annoyed by it if that's mm. if that's like the compliment I could give the ending. Jones, you're a writer. Unpublished. True. You help, what these you, are all true What things. did you think of the overall? You help us uh, see things that we normally might not see, Jonesy. I don't know that that's true. Uh, <laughs> but I will say that this book is very clever when it comes to baiting you in a certain direction. And then as soon as you think you get it, it turns a corner. Not in a bad way, not in a place where you're frustrated, but like, for instance, I'll give you one of the bigger moments that uh, took me aback, if you will. You know, there's a a moment early in the book where uh, Alex is scared. As a young child, he has a flashback. And, you know, while he's kind of sleeping downstairs, um, a monster with a quite horrifying face mask kind of like jumps out at him. And he recalls this memory, and then at the end of the book, you um, you see that the uh, the painter has I don't know if that's his name, the painter or Vacek Vacek, mm-hmm. however you want to say his name, has made him a mask to wear while he's there, and it's the same mask that you know scared him as a child. So for a second, I was like, oh my god, is this some kind of time travel thing where you can go into the painting and come out whenever you want? Or you can go to painting and view yourself or communicate with yourself in the past. And then you find out it's really just drawn from your own memory. Because the way this world survives is through your memory of it. And it's very... I can't quite put my finger on what this reminds me of. Because there's some kind... There's some movie out there. And it's not like Inception or anything like that. That a place exists because of your memory. Remember, like, not the never ending story or something like that. I'll, I'll have to think about it. <clears throat> but I do think Cameron Stewart, I, this had to be his labor of love because there's so many different elements of genres that are kind of out there that he kind of links together in this story. And his artwork, like, you could tell as simple as it was how long he must have worked on each panel and each break uh, breakdown to give you exactly what he wanted to express in this page. It's just, uh, and I wanted to do Cameron Stewart. I know uh, Slim, you talked about doing a book of his for a while and there wasn't one that we could, you know, just kind of settle on. I'm glad we did this one because it's very expressive. It's definitely Cameron Stewart putting a piece of himself out there. And for that, I loved it. I had read two, um, like I, I ended up having to reread the ending a few times. The and I went back to read some interviews with him, and he had said that 
I think during the hiatus, somebody interviewed him because they were curious about how it was going to end, and he was definitely going to have a a final ending because he was, I guess, he didn't want it to be like lost, like he was going to have a definite ending. Mm-hmm. And in terms of endings that I guess I didn't see coming, Jonesy, the movie, uh, if in terms of movies, do you remember Identity with uh, yeah. Cusack? That one was like a weird ending that like changed how you looked at the movie a little bit. Oh, definitely. The, because um, you, uh, yeah, definitely at the end of that film, because you think that everybody like that the action is over, and the person who should be in that body is, mm-hmm. and then you found out it was a trick the whole time. But I don't feel that way about the ending of this book. I mean, I kind of felt that he got a happy ending because he kind of realized that he could use the same method in the real world that he did in Sintatuo, and he kind of make his own destiny, which he couldn't do previous to this moment in time he like he was listless didn't really get along well with his girlfriend wasn't really great at his job didn't really have a direction Mm -hmm. so i mean at the end when um d kind of tells him that hey like not just here you kind of life is what you make it and you know i'm not alive anymore so i make it here you know you still kind of have a chance to do it out there I mean, that's the climax of the book. That's the turning point. I mean, all the action with the orderly, and that's just giving him, you know, an antagonist to fight. But the climax of the book is really his. Hmm. The light bulb that goes off in his head telling him, hey, I can live my own life and do it the way I want. I, I mean, Could you. am I reading too much into it? So how did, at the end of the book, he's not being pursued by the police? Right. What state of living is he at that point, or did the murders and stuff not like what did yeah. or did not happen at the end? That was, I guess, I, that was left open to interpretation. My interpretation was that because of ex- his experience with the painting, um, he had not supernatural control over his life, but he was able to use that experience to kind of put himself back in a life that was able to be led. Does that make sense? Like the best version of what he could have. So when he comes back, he's not in trouble with the cops. His girlfriend, they're going to talk it out. They're going to work it out. Nothing. I mean, I don't think anyone said about his job, but he went in with his life pretty much over. I mean, as much as you get it. And because of his emotional realization of the painting, he was able to come back to a life that he could live. I don't know. Maybe I mean that's my interpretation of it. I could be wrong. I'll be I've honest. Wrong I didn't understand the fa- the final act at all. I when when that vat check, yes, when he kept saying yes yeah. question mark, I wanted to punch him right in the damn mouth. <laughs> all right. Um, so let me let me pitch to you what I think. <laughs> okay. Happy. Please. All right. So at some point, <clears throat> we we understand that Alex uh, is a lost soul. All right. And he pursues the woman, D, and he pursues um, all of these things because it's something, it's a thread for him to follow. He, you know, he feels like he has a direction that he hasn't had before. So Sintatulo really represents for him like an emotional state of mind where he can kind of grasp his own destiny when he realizes that it's in his own control, that it has been this whole time that he could leave whatever life he wants. And the fact that he understands that, just understanding the fact that he can control his own life, he's able to leave that world and go back into a life that he can control. 
So all the happenstance things, the murders, the you know, the breaking up, the consequences of looking for that painting no longer exist. So he goes into the world broken and he comes out okay because of Sintutulo. Because here's what's here's what's be, be, here's the beginnings of what started like blowing my mind into questions, unanswerable questions. He comes across the guy, the long-haired guy who was the husband of D. And right. D is supposed to be in a coma, okay? So they kind of befriend each other. Uh, this guy lets Adam, what's his name, Adam, sleep on his couch. <clears throat> and then Adam takes this guy to this, the weird door. And I was expecting this door to be like an old, broken-down warehouse. But mm-hmm. as soon as they broke into that door and everything was there that Adam experienced by himself before that and this guy saw his comatose wife on the monitor talking to him I was just like this is I never expected it in a hundred thousand years that it it just got a little bit real like this is really happening because now there's somebody else in the world that this is happening to mm-hmm and then he well, yeah, I, if you think about it that way, like, yeah, then you're not up. sure if this guy is just crazy until third parties start right. noticing the crazy around right. him. Or, you know, maybe it's just the whole story just from the view of that guy who's still standing at the uh, at the desk looking at his grandfather's things and he imagines this whole wacky ride as mm. he's standing there looking at his effects. I don't know. I mean, will we ever know? Probably not. I don't know. I I when I when I first read the ending, it reminded me of, and I'm sure Cameron Stewart would never want to hear this, but it reminded me of the architect explanation in The Matrix, where he <laughs> where he yeah. was explaining things, yeah. and everyone tuned out during that scene. And I I I, no, I I'll be honest, I tuned out. Like I couldn't understand what this guy was saying about memories, mm-hmm. where my head started to hurt. And I'm not sure if that's just a writing thing, but it's the way the character was talking with, you know, he was using, his thesaurus was busted out. Vacek, uh thesaurus was in his pocket that whole speech. Mm-hmm. And my, I was like, I don't even know that's what a, is happening. That's Let's what he spends his time Asian. doing, just reading the thesaurus. That's all he does. <laughs> he, he lives in a lobster. That's all he does is he sits there and reads the thesaurus. He eats but, a venom-spitting lobsters. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that the ending... I mean the ending the explanation of the that world I mean the the fight scene at uh with the Aring orderly I thought that was really cool how they were going in between worlds and how he was yeah. like falling in the water and he was in the house and then at the end where he saw everyone in his in his life kind of mm-hmm. berating him and even the moment where you saw that the orderly even look like his dad which was kind of freaky well, I thought that was like a crazy moment. Um, but the the moment where the chick with the glasses kind of says, it's not your fault. I, I wish there was a more poignant moment for him to realize that. Because I felt like... There wasn't. He, I felt like when the moment where he was about to kill himself was was like a weak moment for the character. And I wish... I don't know. I, maybe I, I just wish that moment didn't happen or... He came to a certain. He came full circle in a different manner, like without coming to that low point. But I guess if you're going through all that weird psychosis, yeah, 
that's probably bound to happen at some point. And I'm looking at the page again, and I'm I'm assuming the orderly's name was Harris. I'm I'm guessing that's him because as soon as he like snaps out of it and leaves Sintatulo the painting, he's riding in his car, and it alludes to the radio saying that the 43 old Harris was arrested yesterday for sending threatening messages to late night radio host Ray Towers. So if that's if that's the case, then he never got shot in the face. Yeah, in the painting, or he never he never hit him with that thing in the face at the oh, hospital. Yeah, and the cops were never killed then. Yeah, exactly. So I wonder what. Uh, so, yeah, so maybe I wonder what where the path changed or where the fork in the road happened, as opposed to what we read, because I didn't even see that portion when I read uh, it. Yeah, now now you say that, there has to be some defining moment or panel mm-hmm. where he totally splits off. Probably when he back. goes, probably when he drives to that building or when he follows uh, the orderly because that's when the, he had that fight with his girlfriend and maybe maybe at that, maybe, yeah. maybe he decided it, not to and that maybe he's coming home or something and he's like, hey, let's talk. Like, I was about to follow that orderly, but I'm going to come home. Here's a, here's a crazy theory. He meets that homeless guy there that he gives his car to mm-hmm. or rather the orderly gives his car to while he's in. Maybe that the homeless guy who really needed the car and needed to leave was like just another portion of his psyche that re- they really did leave, and then he left a part of himself there. That doesn't that's, even that, make that's sense. Of, that's you're getting super into a lot trippy. of deepness. You're in you're in quicksand right now. Yeah, you're in Sintatula quicksand. <laughs> you're in. You're caught on page three of the Sintatulo image search, and there's no way of getting out of it. You're deep. I mean, there was just blatant boobies in my face when I Googled that thing. I didn't know what was happening. There were just A shots and B shots and C shots. They just don't do it. I don't guess, Google image that. I'm guessing Sintatulo is a real painting, and maybe it's associated with art, and maybe women love associate their taking pictures of their beef with art. Because I don't know, but there is a whole. If you I'm have, not sure we could say if that you have Google Safe Search turned off. It's uh, all. It's That's game a over. thing. Oh my god! I didn't even know safe search was a real thing. Absolutely, it's a real thing. Incognito, be damned. But I yeah. overall, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the ride and the experience of uh, Cameron Stewart's Tulo. I hope I know he announced a book um, that was going to be his next creator own work, but I don't. I think it was also postponed. So mm. anytime a creator announces like a creator own work. I won't. I probably won't get excited for it until like a week it hits a comic shop or their <laughs> website. There's just no point, really. Yeah, it's, it was cool to see this. This is like this is Eisner Award winning web comic in hardcover. I saw it at the comic book shop, and it was really cool. And and the art is absolutely gorgeous. The art style with the it's like three three sh- white black in this sepia Jonesy Shoden <laughs> tone. <laughs> If you're watching the YouTube, it's that's all it is. Three colors through the whole book, and it's it's stunning. The artwork, yeah, absolutely stunning. And uh, if you're browsing the shelves, if you're at the Barnes and Nobles, or uh, hop on Sintatulo.com uh, or Cameron Stewart, God forbid, Sintatulo.com is not the web. Comic. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real website. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not a, not a website you need to be looking at with your wife in the room. But uh, check out the, at least you owe yourself to see some beautiful art. Beautiful. Yeah, that being said, as confusing as the ride was, 
you know, I did enjoy it. Um, I just hope nobody strikes up a conversation about Sin Tutua with me mm. because I'm, I'm afraid I'll be just as confused then as I am now. Yeah. Um, this is the, I don't know, these are the kind of works that we have, we probably haven't done one of these for a long, long time. And it's just really intimidating to me, the art or the, the art form, the story and trying to engage and, and somebody listening to this who gets it or thinks they get it. Thinks we're dumb. They're just oh, going to be screaming yeah. at the, uh, their iPods. Listen, I, I am that dumb. So just tell <laughs> me. Hickman's listening right now and thinks we're all dorks. It's like Cameron Stewart. Just, he just threw his computer down. <laughs> on the ground called us idiots what a show I think that was one of my favorite book clubs we haven't had yeah. a true book club debate in a while yeah I think you're right I mean we were we've had some definite winners we've we were on a streak yeah we are where on we just streak. loved and this was nice debatable you know picking apart Michael Douglas the game and the beeve that was a trippy movie it was the game oh man uh, remember when he uh he goes back to the office building and the whole floor is just empty <laughs> crazy uh you know if you're you've got some free time on your hands once the paper, this episode is finished playing you know, go to itunes drop us a review tell us how much you love jonesy loves beer never got to taste Look at him. Guys, you just want to give him a big kiss. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see everybody next week. Love you. So I was going to say that I read this Tuesday night, and that is just way too far in the past to have to do any book club. So it makes me even more scared for Akira. Oh, yeah, you got definitely. It. I tell you how I'm doing it. I'm writing descriptions lightning round style, two sentences or less for each volume that I'll read. Mm-hmm. When you guys are like, "Tell us what Akira is about," and six volumes and thirty thousand pages, I'll be like, "Okay, well." <laughs> Well, and uh, he's got a bike, right? And uh, he's part of an experiment. Um, yeah, so. it's, it's, spoilers. There's that. Spoilers. Sponsored by the, the bike is sponsored by Canon and Citizen watches. <laughs> yeah, I when once we're, I was sitting down before this, and I realized I didn't remember anything about the book except for the ending. Yeah, I was. Uh, oh man, is that why you wanted to talk right about the right about the? Let's just talk about the ending. Because I went back. I, I actually went back and reread the ending before the show. That's probably the best thing you could have done because yeah, work talk was just so generalized at this point. I, mean, it, I like, I usually scold myself for reading issues four through six of an arc, like on the way home Day from out. work or something. But it really like helps remembering. It's the only way to do it. It really helps remembering for the show, and uh, it's going to be interesting how much I, I got. I covered some ground in Akira this weekend. I had just had some chunks of time. Where uh, one of my kids was just like lining up his cars and having a parade and counting them wrong, and 
I was just reading Akira. And begging you to play with him, and you were just, like, kicking him <laughs> off the couch. So that, that's what the old uh, electronic teat is for. Paul Patrol read? on the Nick Jr. <laughs> I might read uh, Savage Wolverine by Jock. Remember read that? No, I didn't read no. that. Good? Yeah, very good. Mm. Title's back. Title's back in the game. Oh, yes. I also read... Uh, did that all-new X-Men come out this week where they went yes. into the future? Oh, man. Yes. That was great. I mean, oh. this is going di- to go down as one of the do, better crossovers. Do remember to save some titles for the uh, t- recording we're doing 12 oh, hours. Shoot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, we're going to be recording Tuesday night. So this show will post Monday. The next day we're recording f- for the show that's going to post the following Monday. New York well, Comic Con right. coming up. We're not going to have any new books to talk about. It's all going to be golden oldies or something. <laughs> yes, it is. You know what book I'm also loving? All new X-Men, The though. Bunker. God, the Bunker? Yeah, I just read the third issue. Is that he monthly? He some kind of vague... Uh, it's like pseudo-monthly. He mentions it in the letters mm. column. Okay. He actually mentioned something super vague, too, the word that I have, like, big news coming about the book. I could see this getting optioned as a movie pretty I mean, quickly. I, have, I have to think a publisher would say, we're, we'll publish the collected version of this. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think... Um, the feedback, the sales, just the fact mm. that it's digital alone. Mm. Beautiful stuff. Mm. Mm. Fialkov. All new X-Men, though. God, that was good. Oh, so you did read it. Yeah. yeah Maybe we should save it for when we hit the record button in 20 minutes. Oh, God. I might have to read it again. <laughs> you guys want to do it old school and just do the episode now? I might have to read it again because I read it like seven <laughs> days ago. So. Oh, jeez. You know. So, yeah, I went to a flea market. And uh, did you see those books that I picked up on the Instagram? Yeah, I yeah. saw you got a uh, Goggle of Man Kills. Yeah, I, I kicked myself. Like a, when we first moved here, I saw it in this guy's table and I didn't get it. So I went back. And, <laughs> a uh, year later? <laughs> and it was still yeah, there? It was still there. It's awesome. He, um, he also had some of the Electra Assassin miniseries. So I picked that up by uh, Sinkevich. That's so cool to get some uh, flea market goods yeah the um the frank the uh the electra stuff um david from comiXology my boss has the i think he has a collected edition i just remember paging through it and bendis always tumblers pictures from it and i just remember the artwork being like crazy unlike stuff that's being printed now very malievish i think malieve kind of drifts into sinkevish territory sometimes mm. um but yeah the uh, can't wait. I wish this were available digitally, but since it's not, went and grabbed it. Yeah, That's so cool. I, I should check out my local flea market and see if anybody still takes comics there. I know it's There's a lot of like, vegetables. People go and they just take their vegetables wholesale. <laughs> socks are big in flea markets. There's like yeah. eight tables of just socks. I remember That's that. That's like where you clean up. Yeah. The sock lady. I'm sure she was there. I walked by holding these comics. There was like this weird flea market moment where I was walking by with these two comics in my hand. And this guy's like, hey, buddy, I got comics. And he was holding up these like crappy cable miniseries comics. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Shake it like, in your face. Buddy, yeah. I'm holding Electra Assassin number two. Get your crap out of here. Yeah. I didn't say she that. just walked over and lit it with your cigarette and threw a cigarette in the guy's face. <laughs> Smoker. It's very unbecoming of Bloomfield, New Jersey, <laughs> my friend. My we don't do that in this town. 
I um, can I put a Rachel Rising in the in the ring for a uh, upcoming fic? Uh oh, for the what? So for the upcoming uh, what did I say? Didn't uh, ancillary characters just yeah. do that? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, that's Come why on, I haven't Come read on. it. What? I'm not talking about podcast right now. I'm just talking about real people. Podcast <laughs> hashtag podcast. Yeah, so we can we could do <laughs> the book club I, that just happened on another podcast. All right, forget it, forget God. it. I respectfully withdraw Thank my you. submission. I mean, it was a disrespectful suggestion in the first place. It's a good book though, but can't believe it. I haven't read it yet. I got it on a comicsology sale, and it's been sitting in my queue with the mm-hmm. you know the new number in the right hand corner, mocking me mm-hmm. for months. Now it's well. Now that there's a little backstory, at least I understand why. Because that's the only way you'll get to read it is if we do it for a book club, but. Yeah, we can't do absolutely. It. Well, there's no way we can do it for a book club now. <laughs> AC just did it. <laughs> Scratch it off the list. That's right. That's how it works in this town. <laughs> I, well, I really want to listen to an episode, too. And then I freaking saw that they did Rachel Rising and I want to get spoiled. Is this, is this what it's like when people don't listen to like stuff that I read and they're just now I'm going to spoil it willy-nilly? Mm-hmm. This is the life that you've created for people to live in fear. (laughs) It's like (laughs) a spoiler fear. Poor Panooch had to mute mute while listening live. He probably just smashed his laptop with a hammer. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, who was that? I think I got Trillium spoiled for me at work. I mean, Breaking Bad, I had to put my headphones on like maybe every 20 minutes. People were wanting to talk about it. Add custom spoiler for you? No, I can't remember. His little less eating grin, having Chipotle (laughs) and vining you. Oh, Oh, God. Jonesy's losing it. He's getting, he's getting nuts. Just a little bit. He's getting nuts. Just trolling a little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit of trolling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that, uh, but I still have to, I actually haven't even read issue number two of Trillium. I don't know what's going on. I love Trillium number one, just Either let it fly by. That's life. Read the, um. Yeah, but you'll, you'll really dig it when you read it in the setting, when you have like three or four issues. Mm. I, I did binge on the, the wake this weekend. I'm, I got oh, yeah. Through four. The wake. I also have Wasteland just know. sitting there with like the first volume. Oh yeah, we did talk about doing possibly doing Wasteland. What did you think of the Scott Snyder esque story at the end of the Wake Two with the whale song? I felt like that story just went on for eight pages, and I like it annoyed <laughs> yeah. me to the point where now I'm starting to see a Scott Snyder trend where he just like <laughs> tells this story out of nowhere, and it just it gets to a resolution that could have been done in a page. It like wraps it up, like he like ropes. This whole he weaves this whole story just to make it like believable. Yeah, yeah. Just and so like, you can, I, like just so you can put some realism into whatever <laughs> he's telling you. It's a comic. When I was young, there was a story about the whale song. <laughs> Fast forward ten pages. <laughs> the fifty-two hertz whale. Song. <laughs> yeah, m- mermen just appear. You never. We could have gotten there a little faster. <laughs> you don't know what the fifty-two hertz whale song is. Oh man. Speaking of. Uh, Chipotle. Did you see Andrew mention that Scott Snyder changed some of the text at the end of Death of the Family? Because I guess he said yeah. it didn't make sense or something. Yeah, he he didn't like it, so I went back and made it a little more clear. Yeah, I guess a lot of people complained about how it ended. Yeah, I didn't understand why the Bat Family was annoyed at Bruce. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, I think we even bandied that about on one of our shows because we talked about that issue. Speak, that might be a good book club idea. Mm-hmm. Court of the Owls or uh, Death of the Family. Man, love that core of the house. That was good stuff. Haven't we been talking about doing a new Fifty Two book? Dale probably suggested both those books, and we just ignored it over text. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, probably why he just shook his head. I just right wish there. I could screenshot our iMessage conversations that were are quickly <laughs> forgotten about by the other two members of this show hours after talking about it. 